0: Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Under the Spotlight podcast with me, Etch Didoku and Michael Dryden. This podcast is a collaboration between Why Football and Breaking the Lines, addressing topics in the Premier League and English football. Today I'm delighted to say we're joined by a former Östersunds defender, Bobo Salander. Bobo made over 150 appearances for the Swedish club and was part of Östersunds infamous rise from the fourth to Swedish football to the first tier and the Alsvenskan underground potter. Bobo is joining us today to discuss his time options, their rise up the league's underground Potter, Potter's philosophy and management style, and discuss what the future will hold for the English manager. So, Bobo, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: Thank you. I'm really good. I'm really good. Pleased to be talking English. I haven't been doing that for a long time. So it's good to be on a podcast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, um possibly better English than mine already. I've heard a bit of well, a bit of pre-talk. <laughs> Probably more try, understandable than I am. Try,
1: try to do my best. Yeah, <laughs> I played with some guys from Liverpool, and when they talk to each other, I don't really understand it at all. So, <laughs> try to be as good as possible.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's um, that's understandable. And if, if you have to stop me at any time, and <laughs> please do, I might be uh, too difficult to understand. Um, but yeah, uh, Bo, thank you so much for. Uh, for joining us today um apologies etches for the, the length of that introduction um i know we had some words in there and some swedish words that were hard to understand um but yeah let's um let's kick things off because we've got a lot a lot of a lot of questions a lot of things to cover bobo um and firstly just wanted to to ask a bit about you just for for our listeners a bit of context as to um who is bobo Salander, a little bit about your background um and yeah and your footballing background as well
1: uh Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, Ostersund local boy, so I've lived in Ostersund for all my life. Uh, For context, I'm not really a good football player. Just by by luck and chance, I became an Allsvenskan player. Uh, So I played football my whole life, tried to quit a few times, never really managed to do so. always find myself back to football. uh, And just by the... Luck of of Öfko and their travel, I became a professional football player for a few years. That's it's pretty much me now. I'm uh, 36 years old, living with my wife, hello, my girlfriend, and two kids in Härstigen, and studying to be a police officer.
2: Yeah, that's um, that's interesting stuff. I mean, so you retired. I think you were 32 when you retired. So it's quite a young retirement. I got that from um, from Wikipedia. The last yeah, <laughs> the season yeah. you played. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. You so you are an Australian local, are you? You're a supporter of the club.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. a yeah. so, supporter from. Uh, I think the the club was raised in '96, so I wasn't really a supporter when I was born because it wasn't in existence then. But uh, yeah,
2: yeah. It's only 25 years old, which is actually um, younger than me, even me. Etches yeah. as well. A <laughs> <bit younger. laughs> Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Yeah. So so moving on, uh, Bobo to. Um, yeah, your playing career in general, you, you made over—you you probably talk yourself down a little bit. Um, you made over 150 appearances for Ossesund between 2006 and 2017 across the four divisions. Um, so at that point, I think it would be 2011 when Graham Potter came to the club. Um, yeah. And actually have you down as this as the club's sixth highest goal scorer. Is this true? Yeah, it
1: could, <laughs> could be true, yeah. <laughs> he scored a lot of goals. Yeah, but he scored a lot of goals in the lower leagues. Never scored a goal in Alssan's camp. Uh, so mm. no, but uh, I would, I would say that I was, I was a decent division one player. Third chair in Sweden, decent division one player. Wasn't much more than that. So, so I did, mm. did good games in division ones before Graham come, but never thought, thought of myself as an allsvenskan player or anything like that.
2: So, yeah, so moved on to, to Graham Potter, uh, the topic of the majority of this, of this episode. Um. So he arrived at, at Ostersund in 2011, um, midway through your kind of time there overall. And he came as quite an unknown young manager. Um, so what So what were the, the players' reaction to his appointment in, in the group? Um, were they surprised by him coming in or were they just hopeful was he did they know who he was (laughs) no
1: i I don't think anyone knew who he was he came in from from nowhere like we we played in five years my five first year in uh, Earthco, we played in division one and was Mm. always a bottom tier team like always close to relegation always fought for a life so so and the club never like did anything everyone was Part time or worked on the side mm. 100 so, percent so no yeah. we had one or two professional players so when we went down to Division Two the the hopes of of reaching success in football wasn't there so so when we Daniel who became the chairman came in and said we're gonna we're gonna succeed no one really believed him and then you, mm. you t- took in a coach from England and no one heard of him and you had a some bad experience with coaches that didn't succeed before that tried to change stuff and never changed. so I think he had a lot to to change in that because the mentality was that nothing could be changed when Graham comes he, the first thing he had to do was work with that I think
2: mm. yeah you, you mentioned I think before there's there's a couple of um, lads that he brought across, Graham Graham Potter used to be at Leeds Metropolitan University as a coach. Brought some some players across from there. I think from the Nike Football Academy as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had one Korean Moon and uh, one from Ghana, David Ackham.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because the club had just been relegated to the to the fourth tier at that point. So obviously you've got a, a an existing squad where they've just been relegated, and that can demoralise any squad. Um, that I think you would have been part of as well going down. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously they could be a demoralized squad. And then obviously an English manager coming in with new beliefs, new philosophies and bringing in a lot of, you know, a lot of players from England as well. I, I know quite a few. Jimmy Hopcut, you probably know very well. He yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's back in England now, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think he plays for Oldham. I think yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. he started at the Emirates with uh, with Arsenal. Um, See, so that that's leading me on to, to my next question. So how did... Potter kind of transformed the Ossishun squad um, upon his arrival. So he brought in these players, uh, quite a lot of players, but coming from different nationalities, uh, different nations. How did he kind of settle in those new arrivals into the squad? Was it quite seamless or?
1: Yeah, I think uh, we were used to having like foreign players coming in on short-term deals like three month or six months because of tax. tax reason you didn't take uh, players abroad in on longer terms and than that. But when Graham came in, I think like the way he, he worked for us or with us was like when he had a squad, he took out a few players. He took out two, three, four players and took out took in four new ones, like
2: mm. that
1: was in the better half of the squad. So so his development of the squad through through time was always like you take away the weakest links and put in the, the better ones. If you don't sell a player that Happened a few occasions like that. Was the best player in the team, but other than that, he he tried not to do too much changes within the squad because he he wanted people to know the tactics and like have a relationship with him and the rest of the coaching stuff.
2: Mm. And that's that was again going to lead me on to my next question, which is is around kind of the the playing style and how Potter transformed things on the pitch. So I mean, it led Oshun to back to back promotions. So just being relegated. And then immediately back to back promotions um, from the fourth and third tiers um, to the second tier. So how did he, how did Potter transform Ossichund on the pitch? Uh, was his methods difficult to adopt? I've heard they're quite complex.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's quite complex when you look, look at it from the outside, I think. And, and when you just come into it, it's quite complex. And I think he didn't change that much in the beginning. He didn't do that revelation that he does now with Brighton from the start, because that I think that also was a process within him, how he could do things better, how he could change things up and stuff like that. So, so the first two years wasn't that revelation. That it was when we played in Oldlands, kind of maybe the last year in Superettan, because then he really find his way of coaching and teaching out during the the training sessions and the video sessions and everything like that so, so i think the first two years wasn't wasn't that life-changing as mm. it is right now
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose it's a massive journey for him
1: yeah i think so he was he was on the journey as well so, so i think he was just the leader of the journey but he, <laughs> he wasn't where he is now not even close in my mind
2: yeah now he's reached almost astronomical heights with links to Manchester United it's uh, it's absolutely <laughs> mad. It must be mad for you to have, for him to have come I, I don't know how old he is now he must have been in his 30s when he came to um maybe late 30s early 40s when he came to i think um, he's audition.
1: around 34 35 36 something like me that i am now when when he yeah. came yeah yeah because he he played in premier league before before he started going to university yeah he's one
2: of those he's one of those Players that I I hadn't heard of as a player, just no. given my age and maybe yeah. how you know it might have been quite unknown. And then you look through like his list on like I don't know Wikipedia, and yeah. he's actually played like over 350 games. It's it's quite a lot, yeah. Um, so quite an extensive career. But for him to come to Sweden, um, at that age to to get take up his first job as a as a manager, um, just takes you know, great bravery from him to be to be able to adapt. And again, as you said, it's a massive journey for him, not just for you guys on the. In the squad.
1: Yeah. I think that was interesting because we got our winter break in, in December. So, like from the middle of November until 10th of January, we we're off football. And you could always see after that break, you could always see so much had changed in the beginning, like how, how you did stuff and how, how he like this is the most important thing is now. So so it's like I I done this. Now we're gonna tweak that, and now we're gonna take the next step in evolving the squad like how we think football and how we work football and how we do training sessions so it's always like it's i don't know he he evolved himself during that period i think Mm. uh, self-reflection and stuff like that
2: (laughs) yeah and and, um this is i mean this is like the infamous from his time at um at at oster so i've heard about the the cult is it the the culture academy yeah. I don't know how I'll true this it. is and you might have debunked the myth yeah um but that he had many of the the playing squad or all of the playing squad performing in front of an audience as part of you know a form of training is that is that true yeah
1: yeah but it, uh, it wasn't it wasn't Graham's idea it wasn't Graham that said this, oh, right. is, this is what we're gonna do it's more like uh we had <laughs> we had one that said this idea we should evolve the football club through culture and took Mm. that idea to the chairman and the chairman said yeah sounds good let's do that and told graham make sure all the players are on board Mm. so so he more or less got that we're gonna do this and you're gonna make sure the players do that otherwise they can't play in the so then he took that and evolved players and how, yeah. how they work. That, that's my understanding of it. But but like we danced Swan Lake, we we <laughs> sing in the front of other things, like 2000 people did a concert and wow. stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. but that was a way of uh, evolving. It was a way of like pushing the boundaries of what, what your safe zone is and stuff like that. So he used that in his training, but he wasn't the, the one that said, we're going to do it. But but he ah. used it, and it was because of him we succeeded doing it. It was him that took in took it into the uh, the group of players and made us feel like this is something we have to do, and something mm-hmm. we were doing.
0: I think that's uh that's pretty interesting because we've definitely read that um from uh, our English sources about things he got onto there. One of the points I wanted to touch on about you know how he was had this culture academy is, was there like a defining moment with Graham Potter where you felt as though like he was going to do something particularly special or was it always a case you mentioned before about every time you came back, he'd gradually change things and they'd get better and better. Or was there a defining sort of moment you felt where, yeah, this guy is really top stuff or this guy's going to go on to, as we mentioned earlier, some of the bigger jobs in the world, potentially. Was there a defining moment for you? Or was it more of that gradual okay, he's getting better and better by the days and weeks?
1: I think I had, like, it was a gradual thing all the time, that all the time you saw he he, he evolved. But it was a few times when you really felt like this is so much over my head, so I don't understand and it. Worked played with football my whole life, and, and we had a training camp, and uh, some of us, because... He's got a different approach to training camp. He doesn't work you down like some other coaches do with three training sessions a day and stuff like that. So, so we were pe- feeling pretty fresh and we played some basketball. And then uh, he got upset. So, instead of telling us to stop playing basketball, he had a meeting the day after and went through the whole preseason training schedule. And with every player that played basketball, he went through their physical status and all their injuries they had and why and what he did during every training session to make sure that they don't get injured again so you do something Mm. bad and then you get like okay he he puts down so much work and have so much understanding of of the physical aspect of the game and how how to make sure that his knee injury or his cough injury or his leg injury won't won't go up again he won't injure himself again so he puts that work in for every training session specialized for every player and and when you hear someone talk about that it's just like how's that possible (laughs) you play the rondo Put up some balls and you play eleven v eleven, and then your football training is over. But it's so much thought process to mm-hmm. every training and everything he does. And I think that was one of the things. Like for me, that was he's sharp. He's he's sharper than I ever thought he was before. Before just that meeting, like how how everything everything has value. With what what he does. Mm. And uh, then we had, uh, I I remember one game in Allsvenskan before the game, I think, I don't remember which club, but one of the top uh, Stockholm clubs, uh, and they just had a new coach. So when he went through the tactics before that game, he went through, okay, this club is going to feel like that. They haven't done good that's why they changed the coach this coach is going to do this so so they used to play in a 4-4-2 now they're going to shock us and play with a back three and they're not used to playing with a back three and then their issue is going to be this with the back three so we're going to use that to, to succeed against that so after 25 minutes they're going to panic and do this and at half time they're going to do this so I sit, sit on the bench that game and like everything he said during the pre, pre-match meeting It's just went through (laughs) exactly (laughs) like you said it. And you just go like, how's that possible? How can you be that? Like, how can you put in the times, you know, what a new coach for a new club is going to do probably before they do it.
2: Hmm.
1: So uh, that's, that's the two things I ever felt like that's, that's just amazing. I I can't, I can't explain it otherwise that just that's world class.
2: Do you think the, the squad as a whole had, I say, some difficulties getting to grips with maybe that sort of idea, or just some of the complex natures of his coaching? Because, as you said, he was quite a young coach, but he's trying to—he's very meticulous, very hardworking, and trying to get across his ideas. No, was it but, difficult for the squad? I, th-
1: I think no, I don't. I don't think it's hard because he used used the whole training, he used the whole week, he used the whole season to get what he was trying to do across with the players. Never like a quick change or anything. We always always lived on our possession. That's how we wanted to try to play football. But he always did the small changes within. And and if if you are going to play a back three, but you have been a back four for four months, he started in a few weeks before in training because he knew in four weeks' time I need to change it. So then... When that week started, you all of a sudden get a sense of feeling like, oh, that's why we did that possession. And that's why we did that like drill, because to get our minds ready, because he got that drill, that drill, that drill. We did that for this game. So he he was clever in the way he he uh, he teached us without us knowing we got teached on a certain thing. And then you got uh, confident in that you could do it.
2: So towards of your towards your kind of end of your playing career, uh, Bobo Otsishen won the Svenska Cupen yeah. in 2017, um, and that qualified them for the Europa League in the following season. So I don't think you were part of that squad that was part of the Europa League campaign. Um, but what can you tell us about that Europa League campaign? Just as a, even as a fan, or keep keeping in touch with the players, or whatever. How was that?
1: I, I was I was a part of the Alsvenskan squad. That year, yeah, uh, but I wasn't part of the. I was the only player left out of the European League <laughs> squad. <laughs> but I did a game in the qualifying. Uh, Mine is good. Is, I th- I think one of the things that came up, like, because we n- didn't really have any injuries during that time, and and uh, like you had so many games in so short times, but no major injuries on, on any players. I think that's one of the things that. Graham did real good. How how we managed to to hold everyone fit. uh no, But that's just it's just unreal time, wasn't it? We mm. played the Galatasaray away and I just went through and play uh, Bilbao and Hertha Berlin and stuff like. That. It's, it's just crazy and mm. managed to go through from there as well. So uh, I think that's just crazy times i don't, I don't really know <laughs> much more to say about it. It's just <laughs> so crazy that i was part of that team because quality wise i wasn't that good <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh it kind of put potter on the map though i think or, or oscilloned on the map for everyone else in um in kind of you know european football um i think option won eight out of 13 games in that campaign which is crazy if you include qualifying which yeah. is um, which is crazy. etches is an Arsenal fan and I think was attending that, or did attend that, Ostersund fixture at the Emirates, uh, 2-1 yeah. victory, which must be dreamland for some of the players that had came from non-league English football, came up with Graham Potter like yourself to then play at the Emirates and win. must have been...
1: It must have been unreal. It's unreal for a Swedish player. I
2: know some of the boys are Arsenal supporters. Mm.
1: So for them to, to go there, beat Arsenal, they're going to have that memory for the rest of the life, mm. uh, so, but but most that's the thing. Most of the players in our squad wasn't on the trajectory to be that kind of a player. Everyone was, cause wasn't some big Swedish shinings. Like we didn't compete with the biggest teams in Sweden over those players that came here. It was players that was rejected or played in uh, lower divisions or you find mm. them somewhere somehow they had a two three bad years and then they come to us so it was like that those players didn't have success in other teams and then they come to Östersund, And together we had success under graham's so i think that was the most amazing thing
2: well that's all we have time for for part one of our interview with former australian defender Bobo Salander discussing all things Oster and Graham Potter. We'll be back next week for part two of our interview with Bobo and another instalment of the Under the Spotlight podcast brought to you by Y Football and Breaking the Lines. Have a good week all and we'll see you next time.